All right, you want to clap me in? Three, two, one. The countdown is unnecessary. Zero credits. Scary monsters and nice sprites by Skrillex stops mosquitoes from having sex, which proves not even bugs want to listen to that shit. And welcome back to Zero Credits, the show where we talk about things. My name's Henry. And my name's John, and I want to congratulate you on a very difficult joke. There was a lot of, like, alliteration. That was like a tongue twister. It kind of was. And together were Henry and John combating the sounds which can only be described as an outside dogfighting ring. So the uh, the interesting thing to me about whatever's going on outside is they've got some country jams. There's some country jams going on. We're in the new, we're back in the new room, the new setup, different configuration, hopefully better for sound and hopefully better for us in the long run as we are now, I now have a wife to contend with. To contend. So there's a new bed, a new stand, a new computer, there's some art in here. Basically, it's not even the same room. I'm not even looking at the same wall. You're not. We've actually never looked at this wall before. Uh, I want to take a moment right now for the people in the podcast. People in... That's us. We're the people in the podcast. For the fans listening at home. The people about the podcast. The people about the podcast. I want to do them a favor, and let's describe this new wall that we're facing. I knocked... The microphone stand. So let me take the first try at describing the ro- the the road, the wall. Uh, so there is a there is a b- painting, I believe, is what you'd call it. Maybe a print. It, it's a print. Uh, so it has a lot of imagery on it. I believe there is a rooster. Yeah, like a root, kind of like a weather vane, because you can see like the little arrow pointing where the rooster is standing. And they've kind of put that over like a left turn U-turn okay sign. Yeah. There's also just the word band. Mm-hmm. And there's a jug that says La Grande Orange Grocery. And in the middle of the of the whole painting there's a no trespassing something. And, and I think maybe it says no trespassing in Spanish. Where'd you get that? We found that at a roadside art sale. Oh, that seems about right. Basically, one of these companies that f- they fulfill art uh, orders for like contractors and builders. You know how you walk into any public space and there's always some like art on the wall. Yeah, there's some art that really looks like people threw some some shit together sometimes. And so a company makes that stuff. They don't just find it. And sometimes they're like, hey, we've got too much of this stuff. We're going to sell it for dirt cheap on the side of a road. And we picked up like three pieces that day. And and that one was one of my favorites. We've got too much meaningless art. All art is meaningless. Speaking of meaningless, this week's episode is brought to us by the same beer sponsor as every week. The leftover beer for my wedding. I have uh, updated it a little bit by drinking the Torpedo Extra IPA by Sierra Nevada, a beer that I used to like. <laughs> what happened? 
Why don't you like it anymore? Overexposure really ruins all things. Yeah. Man, can you imagine drinking another Live Oak Hefeweizen after you get through with the 18 cases you've had to drink? We only have two cases left, and I still really enjoy this beer. That's a testament to its quality. It's good. It's always light. It's always kind of fruity. There's some oaky notes, which I guess comes from the the name of the brewer. Oh. Live Oak. Live Oak. Live like Oak. A tree. A beautiful tree. Like a beautiful tree. Speaking of beautiful trees and country jams. Wait, what? So, you, your neighbors, uh, in addition to their angry, angry dog noises, uh, are listening to some uh, some pretty decidedly country music. Why do you keep bringing up country music? Do you know what I want to talk about today? Uh, I know what I want to talk about today. What do you want to talk about and today? And that's the Yeehaw Agenda. What is the Yeehaw Agenda? So, we are duty-bound on this podcast to talk about what's happening within the zeitgeist, within the, the, the cultural consciousness that exists in society, and uh, to be honest with you, in American society, because... We're, we're America-based, and a lot of our media is produced by Americans. We're America-based, we got American taste. So, have you heard of a little music maker called Lil Nas X... I am now showing, John, the article that I came across that I wanted to talk about today. And what you can't see, because we don't have video, is that the article's name is Billy Ray Cyrus Responds to Country Music Controversy After Joining Lil Nas X's Old Town Road. So, uh, we can maybe talk about this together because we're both pretty familiar with it at this point. I think this was a very interesting phenomenon. And we got to lay out the timeline for the people, because this kind of happened in a flash. It was like flash in the pan quick. So Lil Nas X, he released Old Town Road. It actually goes back a little bit further than that. All right. So Lil Nas X is extremely online. Lil Nas X started as, I believe, what a lot of people call a tweet decker. So he was someone who... Wait, wait, wait. Is that somebody who hacks into corporations via the Shadowrun network? No, that's called a Sweet Decker. (laughs) Uh, A Tweet Decker is someone who uh, finds relatively popular things and just kind of retweets them for clout. Just kind of a a Twitter bottom feeder by his own admission. How do we become that? Because I, I... We still... We have been sitting at 32 followers for... Years. Uh, there is no honor in a tweet decker. I want a tweet deck. However, uh, that's what Little Nas X did, and eventually, I, I don't know what the timeline is between his original Twitter behavior to what it eventually became, but Twitter for a little while has had uh, this message of yeehaw vibes. So this this idea that uh, this kind of parochial countryisms. Uh, taken to their most extreme stereotyping, can be, like, memefied. So a, a lot of this has been uh, exemplified by people posting pictures of themselves wearing very traditional Western wear, hashtag yeehaw, hashtag yeehaw vibes. Is this a real thing I could go to Twitter right now and see? Uh, yes. So now Lil Nas X, as being extremely online, what he did was he bought a beat from someone, I think, in Norway... And then produced a pretty country-inspired, like, hip-hop song. However, he put it on the country music section of iTunes or Yeehaw Vibes. People have really ruined Yeehaw Vibes. It's kind of all over the place now. Uh, But essentially, he... 
Is that just K-pop? Yeah. Yeah, there's... A, well, Yeehaw Vibes, maybe there's, like, some, some country music overtime, overtones in that song. Or undertones. Uh, anyway, so he bought this beat from... Are you going to continue to show me things on Twitter, or are we going to engage in the conversation? This comes from somebody named Jessica Whitaker. Okay, is South by Southwest in Nashville? Because I want to go. Yeehaw. I don't even like country music, but I love Leon Bridges and the vibes. Twitter is my Google. <laughs> that person has a lot of stuff going on. <laughs> so, what yeehaw culture? What's happening? Uh, so, essentially, little Nas X... He bought a beat from somebody, possibly in Norway. He, he bought a Norwegian wrote, beat. Yeah. Wrote Old Town Road, but put it on the country music section. What's wrong with that? It's a country song. It's a... Co- I, f- I feel like we're... Okay, sorry. I, I can spiral into so many different discussions. Let's continue with the timeline. Uh, but no, it, it pretty much goes directly into your timeline because he put it on the country music section. And then, essentially, what happened from there, which spurred the controversy and spurred its popularity, uh, was people started posting uh, hashtag Yeehaw videos and Yeehaw Juice. Have you heard of Yeehaw Juice? Is that... I, no, don't. Forgive my ignorance, and if anyone finds this offensive, is that horse blood? Uh, no. <laughs> Horses find that very offensive. Oh, well, I think they would, because it's their blood. Uh, they call that nay liquid. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Uh, anyway, so Old Town Road came out, and people started to post videos to, I don't know if you've heard of it, but TikTok... Oh, that's where people lip sync to music they have not performed. Yes, it is a. Uh, there are two good things about TikTok. Number one are uh, Yeehaw Juice videos, and the other ones are uh, ones where people, uh, grown adults who are irreparably damaged, are getting divorces, and they're lip syncing to very sad love songs while like burning pictures of their ex and creating like divorce thirst trap music videos very good you're telling me that's better than maybe i'll be tracer videos yes you're telling me that's better than uh hit or miss videos i don't know what hit or miss is well do yourself a favor and cancel your internet subscription (laughs) because tiktok is a virus uh tiktok has a lot of uh problems however i I know too much old town road showed up on tiktok and what people would do is before the beat drops on old town road they would sip from a bottle that they wrote yeehaw juice in and when the beat drops they would be in country regalia and line dancing i really like so like harlem shake did kind of this there were i think there were other versions where, you know, the beat would be building up and you do a thing and then the beat drops and then suddenly with editing and with stopping recording and starting recording, the whole content of the video changes. There's there's something to say about the first one of those. And then the next 99 billion that come out, eh. I, I feel like the, the Yeehaw videos are good. However, uh, and I think this leads directly into your timeline, uh, the, the Yeehaw did enjoy a Yeehaw renaissance, a Yeehaw-naissance, and eventually, uh, the, the party became much more complicated because, like all things, the whites became aware of it. Yeah, something, like, it was climbing on the country music billboard charts, I believe. I believe it was, it was ranking up. Yeah, and it, it had topped out a couple other billboard charts, however, on the country music chart, 
Uh, it was removed. Yeah, exactly. It's like it was climbing on the the country music specifically Billboard chart, and all of a sudden it was just stricken and said that's not country music. Mm-hmm. Which opens up a huge debate about well, what exactly is country music? And that's once you start drawing lines in the sand for your art, yeah, you, know, you know, defining what is and what isn't part of your art. That's a very slippery slope because now it's like suddenly, oh, it can't have a modern beat and be country. Well, you got to rule out all the country pop songs from the past decade. Mm-hmm. And then, like, you kind of boil it down and down. like, And you have to ask the question because of, of Little Na- Nas X. Little Nas X. You have to ask the question, well, is it because he's black? Is that... Is that why you removed his song? Yeah, so did you read Billboard's reasoning as to why they removed it from the charts? I did not. Do you have it pulled up? I don't have it pulled up, but they essentially said that it lacked the the requirements to be a country song because it didn't evoke images of a certain kind of lifestyle associated with country music, which seems like a cop-out to say we couldn't do it because he's black. And if you say that, if you say it, it, it lacks elements that evoke to a, a, a simple lifestyle or a certain lifestyle. All you have to do is go to the lyrics, mm-hmm. and if the like if the lyrics evoke any imagery at all of that lifestyle, now they didn't define it, which protects them a little bit. But if you find any sort of imagery that evokes sort of the normal country stuff then you don't have ground to stand on. So if you if you look at it, and this gets more interesting as the story develops, but if you look at the actual lyrics in Lil Nas X's song, uh, they're just the lyrics from a country song. Yeah. So I think the first verse, I got horses in the back, horse tack is attached, hat is matte black, got the boots that's black to match, riding on a horse, ha, you can whip your Porsche, I've been in the valley, you ain't been off the porch now. Just country music that, lyrics. Yeah, that first verse. We got horses, we got boots, we got horse tack, we got all of these very specific images and terms that, I'm sorry, evoke a certain type of lifestyle. And it's it, it fits the parameters of country music as we understand them. Yeah, if, if you took those and put those over anything else with a typical country performer, then it... it it would absolutely just be a country song. But then it does get interesting. Well, this is the part I really wanted to talk about. Because uh, Lil Nas X, of course, his song got pulled and he felt it was unfair. So I think he started reaching out to people. And he reached out to one person specifically. A country music legend star, Billy Ray Cy- Cyrus. Yes. And uh, asked him to remix it. And astonishingly... Because I, I tweet at I tweet at celebrities all the time. I don't know how he, he went about it. But I try to contact celebrities all the time. Astonishingly he got through to Billy Ray Cyrus. And Billy Ray Cyrus, like in a day, was like, Yeah, here it is. Yeah. And did it. He he remixed it. He got in the studio to drop bars on the song. Yeah. And uh so that song is now Speaking to, like, the controversy of did it get pulled because of his race or because of the perceived genre of the music, let alone what it evokes, 
sure, that sucks. But the the fact that Billy Ray Cyrus came in and said, no, as a matter of fact, yeah, uh, I'm a country music legend, and this is an incredible song, and I'm going to work on it and drop a verse in it. And be honored to do so, because he, he's not doing it just to make a political statement. I, I feel like if the song was not it did not warrant the position on the billboards, he probably would not have gotten involved. Mm-hmm. But he, he's, you know, a musical person. He can recognize musical talent. And so he's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm going to support you because there's something here. Mm-hmm. And it's it's wrong that they're taking it away from you. Now, do you have anything to say about the content of Billy Ray's lyrics? I do not know the content of Billy Ray's lyrics. I am on the outside of this, this scandal. So the interesting thing about the controversy surrounding that is they said that it did not evoke a certain image of a certain lifestyle, so they could not put on the Billboard Top 100 for country music. It is currently sitting at the top number one of the Billboard list of country music. Yeah. Because of the addition of Billy Ray Cyrus's verse. And, and his ver- please tell me his verse is all about hitting it up in the club and... Doing coke off of strippers' asses. Do you want me to read you the lyrics that Billy Ray Cyrus, country legend, added to this song that apparently evoked an image of country music? Can it please just be the word yeah? So it is... Hat down, cross town, living like a rock star. Spent a lot of money on my brand new guitar. Baby's got a habit, diamond rings, and a Fendi sports bra. Riding down Rodeo in my Maserati sports car. Got no stress, cause I've been through all that. I'm like a Marlboro man, so I kick on back. Wish I could roll on back to that old town road. I wanna ride till I can't no more. Completely not country at all. This is amazing. This is amazing. Cause you know, I, I, and you got you got to think he did it on purpose, right? I I feel like he has to have made a conscious decision to be like if the if the controversy is that this can't be on the country top one hundred because it doesn't evoke an image. I'm a country music legend, and I'm going to drop like hip hop verses yeah. on this to somehow solidify it as being a country song, calling out. The hypocrisy. Yeah, calling out the brazen hypocrisy of them taking it off the Billboard chart in the first place. What's funny is in uh, Bo Burnham's, uh, I I guess, stand-up special, I wouldn't really call it that. And his comedy special, that's a better word, comedy special, uh, Make Happy, Mm -hmm. he performs a song called Pandering, Mm -hmm. where he points out the hypocrisy of country music stars. They all have very nice things. None of them live the type of life that they're singing about. And then here we have Billy Ray Cyrus making a statement with his lyric choices, singing about the type of lifestyle he no doubt probably has mm-hmm. that does not mesh with the country music lifestyle that 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 L- Lil Nas X was actually portraying. It, it, it's like this is this is all perfectly connected in a way that's like, yeah, we got you, you, we got you in your web of stupid lies. Why did you take the song off in the first place? But here's the real question. Did Billy Ray Cyrus's addition to the song actually improve it? I actually think it did. Oh, okay. So, uh, if you listen... No, I mean, if you listen to, to Old Town Road versus the Old Town Road remix, I think the remix just sounds better. Yeah. Uh, plus, it's it's super awesome to listen to it, to hear Billy Ray Cyrus... Drop bars that are really good, and it, it's like any other like 
good featured verse on any other like hip-hop or rap song like when you hear like yeah that's that other guy and he's making the song his own doing his own thing and that's back to that one guy yeah like that's that's why collaborations thrive so much in hip-hop is just that you get that immediate little rush being like it's that guy but the fact that's billy ray cyrus yeah crazy that's and that's awesome you know when you get into positions like billy ray cyrus or anyone who has enough clout in the industry to make a statement and have it stick i feel like it's sort of your duty or responsibility or it would it's just what i would do if i were in that position to stick up for the little guy yeah and I to, mean... to, to put your personal stamp of endorsement on their work as another creative person even so say like oh you know maybe it's like oh he bought a beat so that that's not we country music you gotta play your own music Mm-hmm. I don't care, you know? <laughs> we live in an age of just regurgitated art, you know? People are just slapping things together. Every comedian at one time or another has said the same joke verbatim just because there's not a lot of ideas out there. Yeah. You have to appreciate that at the end of all of this, Billy Ray Cyrus could have made a lot of choices for how to handle this. He could have gone like full culture vulture and just released like a complimentary version of it that would suck that would super suck that would suck uh he he could have not done it or he could have done it and included like sappy evocative country imagery in his lyrics but no not only did he make a choice to help this dude out and also increase his brand as a result but he also called out kind of implicitly and smartly the the hypocrisy of gatekeeping genres i I feel like you could comment on him increasing his brand as a side effect of this but i don't think it would be a direct motivator because little nas x i still i want to call him little nasty (laughs) little nas x sought him out Mm -hmm. it wasn't like all of a sudden here's billy ray cyrus coming in to save the day I feel like, uh, you know, we have these moments where we scream into the void of popular culture and we don't expect anyone to answer. And I feel like that's what Lil Nas X was doing in a way, just screaming into the void. And in this one one instance, the void screamed back and spit out Billy Ray Cyrus, you know, in a quantum leap situation. <laughs> it's it's the best thing that could have happened out of Twitter. And one maybe the last thing that I'd like to talk about in uh, in reference to Old Town Road, is uh, what the Old Town... Uh, have you seen the cover art to Old Town Road? No. To the single? This is the cover art to the single Old Town Road. It is just a black horse galloping to the right. I like the parental advisory sticker. So it's just a white background, and yeah. there is a beautiful, shiny black horse. A black beauty, if you will. And the horse you, dies in that movie. Do you know what the, the cover art to Old Town Road remix is? Please tell me it's Billy Ray Cyrus wearing Ray-Bans with, like, diamond-studded teeth. Horse came back with another horse. Another horse. <laughs> Actually, that's that's brilliant. Yeah, that, that one horse ran off, got another horse. So is it that same black beautiful horse and a brown beautiful horse yeah. coming back to the left, assuming that that horse Other went to horse. the right to go get him. Oh, man. It's really good. Who who does Lil Nas X's marketing? We need to hire them. <laughs> Pro- I mean, at this point, they're unaffordable. Yeah, you're, you're most like, likely right. 
Wait, he's 19? Yeah. I hate everything about the today. The ship has sailed. Uh, there, there, I saw a really, a really funny thing. Uh, <laughs> somebody on Twitter posted, like, uh, they were doing a thread of, like, these artists are overrated, and they were posting pictures of the artist. And then the, a reply in the thread was like, here's even more underrated artists. And there, in the right bottom corner, is a picture of Lil Nas X. I, Did I, I say underrated? I meant overrated. <laughs> okay. And Lil Nas X responded, and he was like, I've only been famous for a week. <laughs> yeah. I have one song. <laughs> how can I be overrated? Like, you know, just how fast the internet moves, it seems like moments last a lot longer and the reality is it's been a week but like it's like already old news you're already overplayed even though you're not even on the radio yeah the, the level of pure saturation we have makes time scale impossible we were talking about how old little nas x is and i realized that he's 10 years younger than i am holy shit he's like that's fine that's the same as me we're the same age but that made me think about 29 years yeah and then i realized the distance between now and 1989/1990 is like, the same distance between 1980 and 1950 are we old i think we might are we old i think we might be old I mean, I'm turning 29 this year. But I mean, if if we like look back at the things we liked, this is like people in the 80s being like, I remember when TV didn't exist. <laughs> I mean, we've gone... In our lifetime, we have gone from a, a pre-internet culture to a post-post-post-internet culture. A culture that is so tired of information being fed to us that the generation who is coming to age under us is completely rejecting... Everything, all outlets of news, all outlets of media. It's like they're in their own little, I don't want to call it a bubble, but they're in their own circle of culture, their own memes, their own jokes, their own... It's fascinating to watch because it leaks out. You know what I'd say they're in? Don't call it a bubble. A tetrahedron? Mm. So have you ever heard of Grappler Baki? Is Grappler Baki a very famous wrestler who used grapples? No, Grappler Baki is a hyper-violent, hyper-masculine Japanese comic book. Is this going to be another Devilman Crybaby where I, I, I get exposed to this and then I have to contemplate my existence for like three weeks? Baki is not that complicated, but it will make you feel uh, very gross. I'm not sure I'd, I'd recommend... Uh, really, in in any circumstance, interfacing too much with Grappler Baki. Now, when you when you say gross, because uh, you know, I'm a degenerate, so <laughs> certain levels of grossness I completely get behind. Uh, so, just to kind of give you some context for maybe what happens in Grappler Baki, uh, people in the significantly more tame animated version reach into people's bodies and pull their veins out. That's gross, yeah. Uh, it's, it's like body gore gross. That's no, not what I want. No, it's it's very body horror. It's hyper-muscular. However, I would like to rep a Twitter account, since we're talking about being extremely online. We're on Twitter. And shapes. So I would like to rep the Twitter account of Baki out of context. Oh, no. It is translated pages of Grappler Baki taken out of context. And I would like you to read what this page says. Out loud? Yes. 
Now that we've got no more urine left in you, how are you going to get out of this tetrahedron? <laughs> yep. It is a it is a man standing shirtless in a tetrahedron and presumably given the words given the words that I read this man in the tetrahedron has no more urine in him <laughs> guys fucking out of context is so good Olivia's power is completely equal to George Bush but without weapons uh, so Grappler Baki, by the way, in, in addition to being uh, very gross, it's got a lot of, like, urine and fighting in it. Those are the two requirements for PG-13. Are those the two themes? Urine and fighting? It has also featured a stunning cast of characters, including uh, George Bush Jr., Barack Obama, and Donald Trump. Well, I guess when you're the president of the United States, no anime or manga is safe. Uh, Donald Trump pees himself in Grappler Baki. Read Grappler Baki. Or watch it. Actually, uh, the uh, the anime's on Netflix now. Watch it. Who Wait, cares? is it? I guess yeah. I know what I'm doing. The guy shoots himself in the face and still lives. You can do that if you go like... That's exactly what he did. Right through the cheeks? Right through the cheek. If you do that, yeah. yeah. It's extremely painful. He does it. Incredibly close. Jesus Christ. That's a callback to the joke for like... It must be last week. Who knows? Oh, John. Well, this is very embarrassing because uh, we're halfway through the episode and we just blew right through the content that we both prepared. Uh, you mean I? I yeah, I did. We both prepared that because yeah. I honestly that was that we we want to talk about the cultural zeitgeist and other than political things that are leaking into everything. That was the big standout story because there's a lot of angles to discuss. You know, you've got. A young creative person. You've got a, an established celebrity. There's a race angle and all this other stuff. So it seemed like that was the big topic of the past week. What else happened? Really, Old Town Road is. Uh, I should look. I should give it a listen. I don't listen to music much anymore. Old Town Road's very good. I listened to it on repeat at work today. But it's kind of the biggest thing going on in terms of like the culture, just because yeah. it pervades everything. Uh, in, in terms of politics, I think we could really just kind of sum it up. So we could just kind of go back and forth, just naming our kind of most, just the most recent entrance into the, the race for the White House. I'll start uh, a Democrat from Indianapolis named Martin Shea-Butter. He's hoping that his... Run as a as a three time mayor of Indianapolis, Indiana, will secure him the seat. But his campaign's got a lot to answer to. He used to be a dog, and this sounds like a John Mulaney joke. <laughs> now coming in, he's the most recent. But let's not talk about the independent turned Democratic senator from California. Pillows Woodsworth. Pillows Woodsworth hopes that his time spent in the fighting pits of Arrakis will prepare him for a four to eight year stint as president of the United States, but his campaign has some hard questions to answer. 
Because he's the guy, you remember. Well, yeah. Um, remember, there was a, a little movie made a few years ago. It starred a Tobey Maguire, Natalie Portman, I forget the third guy, called Brothers. Mm-hmm. And uh, one of the brothers goes off to war, and he has to kill a fellow American to get back home. That entire movie was based on Pillows, Woodworth's lot life. Yeah, so people, really, the, the, the degree of public scrutiny that Pillows is going to be under, it's pretty He killed an American, his brother, he killed in arms. He killed his brother in arms. We, we watched Tobey Maguire pull that trigger, and now, anytime Pillows Woodsworth stands up to the political stump, all we're going to see is that little boy face pulling that man-sized trigger and ending that other soldier's life. No. Who was the brother in that movie? I don't... Jake re- Gyllenhaal? Jake Gyllenhaal. So Pillows Woodsworth killed Jake Gyllenhaal. No, no, no. No, 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 no. <laughs> Jake Gyllenhaal played Tobey Maguire's brother. Oh, okay. And, and then... Have you not seen this movie? No. Natalie Portman is married to Tobey Maguire. Tobey Maguire goes off to war. He gets kidnapped. They get... You know, they presume he's dead. So the news gets back to Natalie Portman that... That her her husband is dead, and her brother-in-law Jake Gyllenhaal is there to console her, and he kind of ends up kind of like moving in because I think she's pregnant at the time. Oh, kind of yeah, like okay, moving yeah. in and kind of like I'm gonna help take care of you. Mm-hmm. A few years later, they end up getting married, and then it's revealed. Meanwhile, Tommy McGuire's shooting the fuck out of another American soldier to survive, and he gets home, and they're like, "Oh my god, we thought you were dead." And he's like, no, nah, it's cool. But in the inside, he's like, it's not cool. I'm Tobey Maguire. I played Spider-Man. What are you, Jake Gyllenhaal? Maggie Gyllenhaal's brother? Man, has Jake Gyllenhaal and Maggie Gyllenhaal ever been in a movie together? Yeah. You Donnie know, Darko. No lie. Really? They play siblings in Donnie Darko. Good casting. Now, of course, the third entrant into the Democratic <laughs> race for the White House. Now, this one, it... It's pretty controversial. Uh, I think you remember his name and his state and his previous occupation. Yeah, coming out of the No Chance State, you know, that's what they call it. That's the official nickname, Rhode Island. Rhode no Island. Chance State. It's, uh, it says it on the license plates. And it does. And, and you know, this was a, uh, a, a conspiracy theorist turned born-again Christian turned atheist, turned Democratic Party leader. Uh-huh. And his, his one... T- he, he declared his own house a, a municipality. So he's the mayor. And of- I believe he was the once dungeon master for the Democratic National Committee. Exactly. And he's the mayor of Davidstown. It's Tony Shaloub. Yes, Tony Shaloub. Now, the, the interesting thing about Tony Shaloub, he's come out... I mean, a lot of people, really, the the Overton window has been pulled farther left, so he's advocating for higher minimum wage, he's very pro-choice, he's saying all the right things, but do you remember back during World War II, there was a Soviet female air force that the Germans called the Nachthexen, the Night Witches, and they would do harassment raids on German territory, even penetrating deep into the heart of German territory to the capital cities, and they would fly outdated biplanes even in World War II, and when they ran out of bombs because the Soviet Air Force wouldn't give them munitions. They would drop railroad spikes on German troops, and they would uh, they would drop uh, bombardments on tank lines. They were really instrumental to the Soviet success in World War II, but they were t- kind of stricken from the history books because they were a squadron of misfit women, the Noctexen. 
I mean, who could forget the Noctexan? A very small contingent of Russian Air Force that was ran by all women who did some German raiding even deep into the whatever the fuck you said. Yeah, so everyone knows about the Noctexan, but the interesting thing about Tony Shaloub, he believes they didn't exist. <laughs> okay. it's it, And he's running on the platform of Tony Shaloub. Pro-choice, raise the minimum wage, the Noctexan, a.k.a. the Night Witches, the harassment bombardment squadron of the Soviet Union run entirely by women, does not exist. I want to pause, because this, this segment is quickly derailing into half-improv, half-weird facts we know. <laughs> How much of it is improv? Everything about the movie Brothers was made up. <laughs> oh, no. No, I'm kidding. That movie actually exists. Uh, let's see. Let's see. Let's look up Brothers real quick. Also, 2009 drama. It's not Jake Gyllenhaal. No, it is. It's totally Jake Gyllenhaal. Also, for what it's worth... Uh, look at this cast. Jake Gyllenhaal, Toby Maguire, Natalie Portman, Bailey Madison, Sam Shepard, Mayor... When, look at all these actors. They had, they had more than one. They had a lot of them. Now, the interesting thing about Tony Shalhoub, <laughs> he does have a lot of problems, but he was great in Miss Maisel. Oh, the marvelous Miss Maisel? Yeah. He's an doesn't actor. doesn't believe the Noctexan exists. He's an actor. That's right. He plays Monk. There's a reason that name was in my head. All right, so let's quickly move away from whatever the hell that was. Uh, John, I know we're very excited for Marvel's Endgame with the Avengers, all of our favorites coming back. But before that, you mean Marvel's Avengers and Game. That's what I said. To, that is to... that is what I said. Am I forcing the joke? No, no. You were just correcting me for the thing I already said correctly. Okay, thank you. Jesus. I mean, you're welcome. But before Marvel releases their end game with the End Avengers, I think we call them End Avengers. Avengers and game. Before that, real D- Marvel madness. DC, like three weeks before, dropped this little this little marble of a movie called Shazam. Shazam, this real Captain Marvel of a movie. Now I haven't seen it. Have you seen it? I've not seen it. So we both haven't seen it. But I know it's a success. You want to know why? Uh, because Zachary Levi is in it, and Zachary Levi can do no wrong. Well, there's that. But it's, it's been in the theaters for one weekend. One weekend, John. And the news broke today. After one weekend, the, the plans for a sequel are already running out. They're already doing it. They're doing the sequel. The writer's coming back. Who knows about the director? But it's happening. Can you imagine how hungry the dogs at DC must be for a success? I want to talk about DC slash Warner Brothers game plan right now. They released a slew of mixed-reviewed Superman-Batman movies ending in a very mixed Justice League movie where they fired the director and hired Joss Whedon to make the movie funny. And then they released Wonder Woman and it's a smash hit and they're like, all right, do Wonder Woman 2. And then a long break and then Aquaman comes out, does awesome internationally. Nationally, a few people saw it. But internationally, China ate that movie up. They're like, all right, we're doing Aquaman 2. Mm-hmm. Shazam comes out, has one good weekend. All right, we're doing Shazam 2. Yeah. 
And then this Joaquin Joker movies. Well, that's not his name. Joaquin Joker. This Joaquin Phoenix Joker movie is coming out. They're doing Wonder Woman 2. They're doing Aquaman 2. They're doing Shazam 2. And then there's the whole Suicide Squad 2 debacle. Last week it broke that Idris Elba is not playing Deadshot out of respect for Will Smith. Mm-hmm. He's going to be playing a completely different character, apparently. Which leads to the questions like, is it a reboot or is it a sequel? Who knows? I think WB and DC's game plan right now is greenlight every movie idea humanly possible. Uh, so I believe what they're trying to do, and it's a unique strategy, we haven't seen it before. Now granted, the cinematic universe type is something that it, we haven't seen a lot of, so we're trying to make sense of what DC is doing. And I believe that they're pursuing a strategy... Uh, which I like to call the FUVQ, the Financially Viable Cinematic Universe. If any movie proves to be financially viable, they get a sequel, and then we'll worry about connecting them at a future date that may never happen. Oh, that is absolutely what they're doing, because they're like, if, if it seems like it's not only financially viable, but has some level, any amount of, like, cultural cachet, yeah. then they go for it. Yeah, because, like, Ben Affleck is out as Batman now. He has walked away from the role, he said, uh, in interviews that, like, you know, he just couldn't crack the character. He couldn't crack the script for the movie. Can I, real quick about, real quick about Batfleck. Yeah. If you see those pictures of Ben Affleck smoking outside, he has long, long ago cracked the character of an unhinged millionaire who has lost everything. Long ago, he figured out truly what Batman was. WB just wasn't on board for his vision. And that, that's probably, like, he found a very creative way to say creative differences and they didn't want to go with his route. But one thing, you bring up a really good point that I want to hit on on the head. And that's not since... You want to hit Ben Affleck on the head? If he will let me. But I think, okay, so, uh, and this is a, this is a weird statement, but, like, the Lego movie Batman is the most honest representation of Batman in the past two decades. Uh-huh. And it's because the Lego movie Batman, at least in Lego movie one and then eventually Lego Batman, has something that the other Batman don't have that they don't show. And that's heart. Mm-hmm. Like, like Chris Nolan did this whole reconstruction of the Batman character as this, this grim, dark figure with this brooding past, and he's very macho, and he's very dark, and he's very grim, but he doesn't have the heart that Batman has shown consistently through the the entire existence of the character. I mean, the character of Bruce Wayne and Chris Nolan's interpretation is uh, phenomenally thin. The, the most multifaceted character he had was Bane, and Bane was like a pastiche of a proletariat hero. Uh, well, the Joker, but a lot of that was just in the performance. Well, yeah, yeah. I will never knock Heath Ledger's performance of the Joker. I feel like that's one of the the best adaptations we're going to see ever. And, you know, good luck to Joaquin Phoenix, whatever the hell you're doing. I don't know. I don't know how I feel about the Joker movie. But uh, I, I just, I want the next iteration of Batman to kind of reintroduce the fact that it's not just a growling scary monster going after criminals like he talks suicide victims down he hit if the if the criminal 
is like in trouble, he will try to help. There's a reason why a lot of his villains go to Arkham Asylum and not a prison. It's not because they're insane, but because he truly believes that they can be helped and reformed and become a normal member of society. Like, his faith in humanity is always at an all-time high. I mean, the, the thing that almost every... I think every screen adaptation of Batman has missed, which is fundamental to his character, is that Batman is at his heart and to his detriment, more often than not, a deeply compassionate person. Yeah. Like, we, it is a pattern that repeats time and time again and is played with in the comic books over and over again in that, uh, Batman's, in Batman's best interest is not to adopt a sidekick or bring people into his operation but he always does so out of compassion rather than pragmatism and it always ends up biting him in the ass in that the person either uh betrays him is incompetent gets crippled like batman is gets fucking killed by a crowbar and a bomb yeah or it's just damien and then is later resurrected by Rachel Ghoul. That's very complicated. There's a lot there. But the, the the thing about Batman is he's compassionate to a fault. So he will consistently display compassion. And it will always come back to bite him. It's his weakness. Yeah, and that it ties into his he never kills rule. Mm-hmm. He's so compassionate. He thinks people can be reformed. And he's constantly, like, proven wrong. But he will never give up on humanity. He will never give up on the ability for people to reform and become good people. And the movies don't ever touch on that. That is something that I, I've i always thought was kind of ludicrous about conversations regarding... People have always said, like, Batman versus Superman or Batman versus, I don't know, fucking Goku or whatever... Uh, but he, but the, you wouldn't fight him. But the linchpin of it falls comes down to usually a statement of, well, Batman would win because Batman's less powerful, but Batman has no weaknesses. Yeah. Fucking wrong. No. Batman has always, well, other than when he had a gun and just killed people and was basically Dick Tracy in a cape, uh, Batman has always had a weakness, and that weakness is uh, deep, honest compassion for human beings. Yeah. Like, Batman is a is a good guy, and it's bad that he's a good guy. And that's baked into his character at this point. It, it would honestly be better for Gotham, especially if he were more of a bad guy, and more of a Dick Tracy type of a gun, or like Spider-Man Noir, and just killed people. It Honestly, maybe the city would be a little better off. And, and, but th- like that, so B- Ben Affleck saying he couldn't crack the character, that's what I thought about is that, well, no one has really cracked the character in decades because Batman has always been betrayed, portrayed, or betrayed, or whatever I just said, as a muscle bound idiot who is not even the world's great of detective. He ha- I want to see a Batman movie that emphasizes his de- detective ability. He's the world's greatest detective. Fuck you, Sherlock Holmes. And he's also, like, the most compassionate superhero on the planet. I don't give a fuck about how much Superman cares about the planet. He's an alien. He came here illegally. He took our jobs. (laughs) Wow. No, I, I, I really do think that a portrayal of Batman as being what he is, which is a deeply flawed, deeply compassionate person would resonate way better. It's weird, because a lot of people do not like the George Clooney Batman. And it, I think a lot of it comes down to the direction, of course, costume design, the bat and the bulls or whatever. But that came close. The George Clooney Batman, he had the heart. He had the humor. 
Mm-hmm. You know, it, it was kind of like an elevation of the Adam West Batman, which was honestly one of the last good, good in quotes for the time rendition of Batman. I don't think the Val Kilmer one got got it. I don't know if Michael Keaton ever really touched on the heart of Batman. You know what really got it? What? Animated series. Yeah. Animated series fully understood what Batman was about. Batman the Animated Series, the new adventures of Superman, and eventually Batman and Superman. That that whole line leading into Justice League and Justice League Unlimited, and even Batman Beyond, which I didn't really like, but it still plays into it. All of that completely nailed the character. And Kevin Conroy, to me, will always be my Batman. Mm-hmm. But the Joker, though, sick, sick twisted. <laughs> I'm so worried about this Joker movie. I, I read, I don't know, I read a lot of stupid fan theories on the internet because I, I hate my job and I need to spend the time doing something that's not work. And I read one fan theory, I can't credit the, the, the writer because I can't don't have it in front of me. They wanted it to be like, well, what if this is inspiration for the actual Joker. Like, the movie ends with this one guy, this one guy's story, and then it kind of, like, zooms out to the real Joker taking inspiration from this one guy's life, and then we're introduced to the new young Batman. And I thought, maybe. I mean, maybe they could do that, but the the prevailing... There's two things I'm worried about. One is, upfront as a fan of, like, the Batman universe... Not DC, just Batman. Batman's villains. Uh, The surface level concern I have is that the best thing about the Joker is that the Joker defies and plays with the idea of an origin story. Because the Joker does not have one. Yeah. Well, he's had so many in his history that it's almost ludicrous to pick one and say... That is the story for the Joker. Yeah, because the the great thing about backstories for the Joker, for the most part, is they're told as frame. They're told within frame stories, or they're told through the Joker's narration, or I guess recollection, and it it becomes impossible to nail down because they're purely hypothetical. Yeah, like what of what is true? Nothing. Like it. The most important thing about the Joker, and it speaks to his ethos, is he exists outside of a motivation for his actions. There is no justification for him to do what he does. And even if you look at, like, The Killing Joke, which tries to portray his origin as something that's, like... Tragic-ish. That's tragic-ish, but that is uh, completely undersold, because it's sold as a lie. Yeah. It's like, that was made up. That... My thought when I saw... I've only seen still images because I don't watch trailers. I'm still very anti-trailer. So I've only seen still images and sort of passing comments about the trailers for Joaquin Phoenix's Joker movie. Which is... That's how I will refer to it. I will not not call it Joker or whatever Mm -hmm. the movie's called. Is that it looks like it's going to try to take things from Killing Joke and make it try to stick. Yeah. Which seems like a bad idea. Uh, I also don't like that it seems to be, and this is my deeper concern, my more genuine concern about the way that they're portraying the Joker, uh, is that in the times that we live in, they seem to be... Have you ever heard of the movie Walking Tall? Not Walking Tall, no, no, no. Falling Down. Alright, so that sounds like a movie about a country music singer. So Falling Down is a movie starring, I believe, Michael Douglas, and it's satire. And the idea is that he's like a middle management type that uh, 
he incurs too many like microaggressions from poor people and minorities and he goes on like a action shooting rampage it's satire it's it's meant to display that this person is having a completely asymmetrical reaction and is a maniac okay uh the problem with falling down is that even though it's satire people eventually kind of assimilated falling down as part of a narrative because they assumed it was earnest and they thought this person going on this like this person who had the last straw with all these minorities in his neighborhood, he had to act. And it's not like a shooting rampage thing. The movie's okay. Uh, but people kind of took that message to heart. And I'm afraid if we're saying with this Joker movie that, oh, this well-meaning comedian is like chewed up by society. And that makes him one of, and we can all say this because it's in the, the cultural consciousness one of the greatest, most murderous villains in history. Yeah. I don't think that's okay. I'm very afraid that they're going to tell the story in an overly sympathetic light and, like, lionize this character for being a murderer just because society was mean to him. Any justification... Like, I, I like, in in some regards, the death of Batman in the DC Universe. For a while, he was dead. Because he killed the Joker. Mm-hmm. And then the Eternals that be, the gods of the DC Universe, were like, no. The the cos- Joker the Joker is a cosmic force. You are a cosmic force. And the rule as written is you do not kill the Joker. Mm-hmm. And you killed him. So you are dead. You are gone. We, the, the, the gods of the DC world, kill you. Yes. And, you know, it seems a little hokey because, of course, it's comics. Comics are cheesy. They're cartoonish. To the the nth degree. But there's some truth in that. The Joker is a cosmic force. Mm -hmm. Any mundane or human sort of rationalization for the Joker weakens the character. This is the most vile, despicable character in literature by definition. Mm -hmm. To give him justification through an origin story is to destroy the character at heart. Yeah, I think that giving him... I, I know they're going to give him a sympathetic backstory. And, and it's going to be too simple, you know? Yeah, absolutely. It's going to be like, oh, it's a man down on his luck. It's going to take it's gonna take the Killing Joke's one bad day theme, the thing that Joker was trying to do to, to Commissioner Gordon, and it's going to make it, quote, canon from a movie perspective. And that, it's an oversimplification, and it's going to, it will not stand up to time the reason we talk about movies not nailing the batman character but one of the reasons why the joker is a mainstay in culture and why he's so like gripping as a villain is because the movies for the most part get the joker yeah uh especially the dark knight joker because the thing about the joker is not I don't know. I tried to find a way to put this when talking to someone. I don't think he's amoral, and I don't think he's immoral. But I think that the Joker is extra moral. I think that the moral. I think that the Joker is an ego that exists outside of morality purely for like satisfying its own ends. And if you if you put that against all of Batman's other villains, which are uh, top of their class in terms of characterization, they really had a great streak with those. In that the characters that really stick around have backstories that tie into their... And, like, not to 
shit on anyone who has problems, but into their psychosis that manifests in their behaviors that are essential to their deeds and their characters. Yeah. Uh, and the Joker is the antithesis of that. The Joker is the absence of morality entirely. And to give him a backstory completely undersells that. Yeah. If we're going to put the Joker against Batman, we just talked about how Batman's character is one that has absolute faith in humanity and humanity's potential. The Joker is the complete opposite. Not that he doesn't believe in humanity's potential, but his belief in humanity's potential is always for the worst. He will always assume the worst of people. Yeah. So that's why in the the riverboat, not the riverboat, but the two, the ferry boat dilemma in Dark Knight, mm-hmm. where there's a boat of prisoners and a boat of, of civilians, and the prisoners, that one guy throws the thing out, that is a person going directly against the Joker, because he's gonna, he assumes the worst of people at all times. He expects both ships to, to explode. Mm-hmm. And the fact that it doesn't perplexes him, and he does he cannot understand it. So it's not amoral. It's not he's motivated by assuming the worst out of people, of as like as a, he wants people to be as bad as they can be. Yeah, and that's why Batman is his nemesis because Batman will never do a bad thing. Yeah, which is why like there's a really weird comic that it's very. It, it, it's mixed reviews, but The Dark Knight Returns. Mm-hmm. Is that the... That's the old Batman. Big, chunky old Batman? Big, chunky old Batman. I think it's Grant Morrison. That seems right. Big, chunky old Batman. And um, it, it's like supposed to stand as sort of the last Batman story. And in that story, Batman kills the Joker. Spoilers. But it, it, it's kind of just like... And the Joker wins. Because he finally got Batman to do one bad thing. Even in his ultimate defeat and death, he wins because Batman, he, he breaks his one rule. He breaks his, his whole morality code. Mm-hmm. And it's supposed to be seen as a victory, but you can only interpret it as a loss. Because if Batman, this character who always believes in the best of humanity, breaks his one rule for this one person who wants to assume the worst, then it's just, it's it's game over. You need to try again. Load up the, the save. I know that everyone talks about how good the killing joke is. Uh, and the end of the killing joke is up to interpretation. Uh, but I, <laughs> It ends with both of them just laughing. Uh, so the, the strong, there's a strong contingent that believes that the killing joke ends with Batman strangling the Joker to death. Because you see them laughing, and then Batman's hands are around the Joker, and then their shadows merge as if he's, like, taking him in to choke him. But I think it, it's, I think that it is in that moment that they both understand the truth of their existence comes from the same place, and then their shadows merge, showing that they came from the same place. They're basically the same person, just, like, opposites. One yeah. always assumes the worst, one always assumes the best. Yeah, they're, they're two sides of the same coin. They're the same person. That's what I think the ending of it is. I don't think he kills the Joker at the end of The Killing Joke. The uh, the animated version of that, I think he, 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 he drops his shoulders... So that you can't draw that conclusion. Okay. I didn't, there are some problems with the animated version of that. Um, like uh, Batgirl and Batman hook up, which was very Oh yeah, weird. that wasn't in the comic, I don't think. No, it's not at all in the comic. 
And, like, they reduced Batgirl's character to, like, a, a, a fantasizing teen, which really hurts the character. Yeah. Especially, like, in one of her, I'm not going to say better stories for her physical outcome, but one of the more characterizing stories, because it, it set up decades of of work for her. Yeah. Because she's paralyzed in that. In that spoilers. It creates uh, Oracle or whatever. Oracle, yeah. She becomes Oracle, which is... Honestly, she's probably better as Oracle than she is as Batgirl, to a degree. At least from a character perspective, not from a physiological perspective. Well, better and worse, I don't know. Yeah. It's weird to... What I'm trying to say is, I have high hopes... They should have different rights, is all I'm saying. No, no, no. no. (laughs) It's the inflammation of this entire segment, which we're going to call... DC is crazy. I don't know. Fuck it. I have high hopes for the characters of the Batman universe because those stories are so very near and dear to my heart as they are so dear and near to thousands upon millions of people's hearts. And I hope they took that into consideration when Joaquin Phoenix walked into WB and said, I want to make a Joker movie and I want to do it not connected to your universe. Yeah. I'm Joaquin Phoenix. Uh, I uh, I like to call this the most artistically bankrupt company in the world handles the most difficult subject in comic books. Yeah, it's like I I bet from a uh, an executive of WB perspective, it's like, oh yeah, another comic book movie and Batman that's popular. Go ahead and do anything you want. Oh, that it's although you gotta make it funny. It's not even. Uh, an executive at WB goes, The Joker? I hear he's twisted. I've seen my nephew wear a shirt with his face on it. Yeah. Can I... we make a movie with Vegeta in it? Oh, that's a different thing? Cool. I, I, I get... We hear stories about the creative types bumping up with the executive types, especially in the WB case. Like, read everything you can about the whole production of Justice League. And then just wait to know that the people in power know so very little about all of the things they touch. And any success that they reap is by complete fucking accident. Hey, let me tell you. I went to uh, Disney World. Oh, yeah? They know what they're doing with their artistic licenses for the most part. Disney is a different story. Later, Michael Eisner. He's not in there anymore. No, it's what Bob Ishner. I made up a name. Bob Eichner. Eichner. Shitner. <laughs> no, I, Disney, Disney's different. A Wait, little bit. Is the is the president of Disney called Bob Shit? <laughs> no. I think he might be. I think he might be called Bob Shit. The president I of think Disney the, I is think not the, I named think, Bob Shit. I think maybe the name of the most of the president of the most. Uh, monolithic media. <laughs> I think his name might be Robert Shit. That's not his name. <laughs> Fans fact check me on that, but I think maybe the president of Disney's name is Bob Shit. <laughs> no. That would be hilarious. The most family friendly company in the world. They're like, oh, Nintendo, you get Doug Bowser, check this shit out. <laughs> and literally, Bob Shit. <laughs> That's our president. <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> He's really good. 
but his name is Bob Shit. He would have to be really good <laughs> to be the face of the company that Can brings you, you like the animated <laughs> Frozen Two and all this shit. <laughs> all this shit. All this Bob shit. Can you imagine? <laughs> Let's just take any job. Can you imagine how good you'd have to be at any job if your name was Bob, Bob Shit? <laughs> You're interviewing for a job. Your name is, um, I do really good work. And I look at my track record. And you know that I must have done really good work for my name to be Bob Shit. And they're like, oh, is it pronounced sheet? No, no. No, 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 no. It's, it's... It's pronounced how you think. It's it's Bob shit. Can I not say that? I insist. <laughs> Call no. me shit. You are... Not only is this person... Uh, that's their name, <laughs> but they're insistent and proud of it. <laughs> oh, Mr. Shit. Call me Bob. Bob shit. Just so you know, dating's hard. <laughs> <laughs> Will you do me the honor of becoming Mrs. Shit? <laughs> This this is we're getting into grade school humor, so we must be in the dregs of this podcast. And we did do two one hour and thirty minutes in a row. Oh, so maybe this will be a shorty. This is not going to be short in any regard. It'll be a normally. That's my goal. It'll be a normal anomaly. So does that mean we have to do social media? Um. Well, let's just wrap up this discussion. I wish all of the luck in the world to those fat white assholes in the WB executive position and more luck to the creative people who are actually doing the work and creating the stories and portraying them. Except for Joaquin Phoenix's Joker movie, I hope that falls flat in its face. And best of luck to all the people who have to meet the demands of this uncaring enterprise that desperately, desperately wants to be Disney. Yep. And Disney owns twenty-seven percent of all American cinema. That's a is that a monopoly? It can't be. Well, it's twenty-seven percent. It was allowed to exist, so I guess it can't be. Under this administration, I think any monopoly would be allowed to exist, but that's becoming political, and so I'm going to bite my tongue. Uh, yes, bite your tongue clean off. Uh, I guess we'll do social media. We're supposed to fight over who gets to do it. You did it last time. What game should we invent to, uh... Alright. We'll do even and odds. You throw out a random number of fingers. Wait, that won't work. Wait. Who's the... We could flip a coin. There is nothing in this room to flip. Okay. Here's what we'll do. Oh, no. That was a hiccup on the podcast. We'll we'll do a... Oh, no. I'm dying on the podcast. We're going to do a toy boat off. Oh, is that who can say toy boat three times fast? Who can say... <gasps> Jesus Christ. You know what? I'll do social media. That's probably a good so idea. you don't hiccup your way through. I have, become, I have become plagued. You've become a drunk from a 1920s cartoon. All right. One brief Henry story, then you can get into your social media plugs. I have very bad hiccups. Anytime I get the hiccups... They are the worst. They physically hurt me. Like, because of the asthma and other things, hiccups hurt. And when I started drinking, and I would get hiccups when I drank, my greatest fear 
would be what you just did and and and, and associate my hiccups with being drunk. No. And you can tell I'm serious because I'm so serious. My hiccups are gone. I'm glad I could help you. You know, here's a quick John anecdote. Uh, so ever since I was about 12 years old, if I ever get the hiccups, I can uh, force them to stop. I can consciously make my hiccups go away. Not by holding my breath. I can just choose not to hiccup. You might say, uh, with your uncontrollable hiccuping and my choice to hiccup, that we're actually two sides of the same coin, which you might call the real killing joke. Ha 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 ha. We're embracing, we're embracing our shadows have become one. And if you want to get in touch with us on social media, I'm going to throw it to John. Yes, if you want to contact us on social media, if you want to send us your spec script for the new Batman or Joker or Harley Quinn or... What's the... Green Arrow. Green Arrow. That show is bad. Arrow. If you want to send us your Arrow spec script, so basically just like a dark episode of American Ninja Warrior, you can do that by sending us a tweet, I guess, at uh, ZCPCWHJ on Twitter.com. Said that too fast. ZCPCWHJ on Twitter.com, which stands for Henry. That stands for... Z C P C W H J. That's right. And if you want to send us a maybe some kind of long fucking letter, if you want to send us some kind of letter, if you want to start like a chain about what what restaurants you like, if you want if you want to send us like a Google autocomplete, if you want to if you want to send us a link to some chewable dick pills, you can do that to zero credits is a podcast at gmail.com. Blue Chew is apparently like a chewable form of Viagra that old wrestlers are selling now. And Wait, hold on. You streamed, right? I did stream. We are on Twitch at twitch.tv slash zero credits. We can continue to do that for two more months. Yeah, I streamed Risk of Rain 2 with Jeff, who was on the podcast. We do some cool runs. Eventually, all of the streaming issues get solved. Risk of Jeff 2? Yeah. And you can find us on Facebook by utilizing the Facebook search bar, which you usually only use to look up your ex-girlfriend's boyfriends, or wrestling events that happened last year by searching for Zero Credits Podcast on the Facebook search bar. We are on Spotify. You can find us on Spotify by accessing the podcast section of Spotify, also called The Skeleton Zone, by searching for Zero Credit, open parentheses, S, close parentheses. You can find us, but why would you? We are also on Apple Podcasts under Zero Credits, really with Apple Podcasts. Podcasts. The best way to get word out is to leave a review, comment, share, whatever you need to do, because everybody's got an iPhone. Apparently, when you have a fingerprint on an iPhone, it's called a Touch ID, because Apple has a funny name for everything that has a normal name. And the most important thing is word of the mouth is the only way we can survive. So, I've said it once, I've I've said it a thousand times, if I have to say it again, I've got to make a new rhymes. Tell your friends. Tell your spouse. 
You're married, right? Uh, I'm married. I'm asking the listeners, Henry. Don't fucking brag. You gestured to me, you T- ass. Tell your friends. Tell your spouse. Tell them all or you're a louse. That Zero Credits is the best podcast you've ever listened to. And if you tell your spouse and they tell their spouse, well, you got two spouses. It checks out. The science. We, we ran it past the scientists. It checks is it out. a triangular marriage? So if you have a spouse and a spouse and a spouse. Well, what, if that, what if your spouse's spouse has a spouse? Are you the er spouse? If your spouse's spouse has a spouse, then it's a tetrahedron. Oh, I'm out of urine. <laughs> <laughs> and from everyone here within the confines of the second bedroom, zero credits apartment, we want to wish you a very happy, very special, very Twitter-filled week. I really ruined it by trying to get this beer thing out from under the table. I was going to try to I was going to try to end the episode by going like bye bye I'm in a. I'm the Joker. (laughs) The Joker was born in a cave. The thing I'm most afraid of is bats. I'm the Joker. I'm afraid of bats, and that's why I don't like the Batman. Joker puts his fingers in a in little Bruce Wayne's mouth.